0: Good morning, let's pray. Our Father and our God, how thankful and grateful we are to be here in this house, which is called by your name one more time. It has not slipped our conscience that you did not have to let us live. So we're thankful and we're grateful that you have allowed us to be in the land of the living one more time. We're thankful and grateful this morning that the sun shines on our faces, not on our graves. We're thankful for your grace and your mercy. We've lifted up our hearts. We've lifted up our voices. We've lifted our hands. We've expressed audibly our Praise and adoration and thanksgiving through song. And now, Lord, we want to hear from you. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. I do want to begin by. Clearing up a question that some of you may have upon my entrance into the sanctuary uh, this morning, contrary to the one of the questions that one of your members asked me this morning, I, I am not bringing weed into the sanctuary. I want you to vote no on that issue. You know that is up on the ballot in Ohio a couple of weeks. Uh, I I will clarify further in just a moment what this represents. But just in case, uh, you, like one of your members here in this church who shall remain nameless for the time being, questioned me and asked me I was smoking weed now. <laughs> I said I'm, 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 I'm on a high, it's a spiritual high though, it's a spiritual high, it's, it's not marijuana. <laughs> Amen. So good to be back in the sanctuary, to be back with the saints one more time, and with all of our online worshipers this morning. We thank God for each and every one of you. So good to see you all. I do bring you greetings. I do extend greetings this morning from the Kimberly Parkway Church of God, and um, I want to let you know that all the saints send their love, their gratitude, and their appreciation for each and every one of you. I'm with my my armor-bearer this morning, (laughs) and uh, who happens to be my daughter this morning, so thankful for her. She is home this weekend from University Bowling Green State, to be exact, and uh, she could have easily have said, you know, I just haven't been home for a few weeks, and uh, I'm just going to stay in, stay home, and support you from online. But I'm grateful and thankful that she chose to uh, be with me this morning. So thankful uh, for that. As, I, as we were driving here uh, this morning, uh, not under the influence of, <laughs> as one of your members suggested. <laughs> uh, as we were driving here this morning, I thought about how much she reminds me of me. Uh, when my father would go to serve in ministry in different congregations or for special services. Uh, there I was in the passenger seat until I was able to drive, uh, just riding along with him and uh, in support of whatever it was that he was being called or asked to do. And so uh, I'm so thankful and grateful. History has a way of repeating itself. And so I'm so thankful and grateful. A word to parents this morning. Keep your children with you. Keep them close. Don't assume that uh, they just want to stay at home and hang out with their friends. Take them with you when you go to nursing homes. Take them with you when you visit the saints. Take them with you when you are going to special services. uh, Because those memories will last. That's how they learn. That's how we train them up. Oftentimes, not necessarily by preaching to them, but just having them within our vicinity, with with us, as we are being preached to, or as we are sharing with others. Armand Nicoli, a medical doctor, who happened to be the professor of psychiatry at Harvard Medical School, and let me pause here, and thank my wife who's supporting from online. Keep her in your prayers. She's bouncing back from some medical challenges or she would have been here with us today in worship. Armand Nicoli, medical doctor, professional of, uh, professor of psychiatry at Harvard Medical School, he explained that the world-renowned Austrian neurologist, Sigmund Freud, how many of you have ever heard that name before, Sigmund Freud, the world-renowned, world-famous Austrian neurologist. He died at the age of 83. But listen at how he died, believers. He died an angry and bitter and disillusioned man. Boy, you don't wanna die like that. Angry and bitter and disillusioned tragically 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 freud one of the most influential thinkers in terms of psychology and psychiatry of our times uh, for good or for bad Uh, tragically even though he was he was world renowned he wrote in 1918 the following words and i quote I have found very little that is good about human beings on the whole. This is Freud speaking. In my experience, most of them human beings, listen to how Freud, Sigmund Freud described human beings. He said on the whole, the the vast majority of them are trash. No matter whether they publicly subscribe to this or not, Freud died, listen at this, friendless. Well, I guess if you did describe all of humanity as trash, you probably didn't have a whole lot of friends. (laughs) It is well known that he had broken with each of those who followed and supported him throughout his illustrious career. And in the end, Freud died despite his fame, despite his intelligence, despite his financial security, despite the fact that in colleges and universities all throughout the, this world, his name for good or for bad is, cannot not be brought up. He died unable to overcome his bitterness. So I want to tag as a topic, or a title, if you will, for the next few moments, the following. Overcoming Bitterness. Overcoming Bitterness. I would invite you, if you would be so kind, to join me to turn in your Bibles or open up your Bible app to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, book of Hebrews written to Jewish believers who were struggling, who were betwixt and between when it comes to uh, holding on to the old traditions of Judaism and embracing new life in Christ and all that that meant, Um, having to understand and appreciate and, 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 and respect the law and yet at the same time now uh, be, 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 be led and guided by a Holy Spirit. Writers, many suggest, many ascribe the authorship of this letter, Hebrews, to Paul, but there, according to some scholars, there may have been others who had a hand in writing to the to believers, Hebrew believers, is encouraging believers to to respect the law and and, and honor and and appreciate all that that their life under the law uh, meant, but at the same time understand the supremacy and the liberty that's found in Jesus Christ. How many of you are grateful who are believers this morning for the liberty, the, the freedom that you have because of your embrace of Christ, amen. And so in writing to believers, we get to the 12th division of this this missive, this treatise to the believers, Hebrew believers. Chapter 12, starting at verse 14, it reads this way from the New Living Translation. Work at living in peace with everyone. Work at living in peace with everyone. And work at living a holy life for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. You might be able to sing like an angel but if you are not holy you will not see the Lord. You might be able to preach or teach like the Apostle Paul but if you don't work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life, you and I will not be able to see the Lord. We we may be able to pack this place out, but if we don't pack this place out under the direction and the leadership and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, guess what, none of us will see the Lord. Verse 15, look after each other. This is an assignment. This is a a warning. This is an encouragement. This is an exhortation to the believers. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. What good would it be to receive a big check and fail to receive the grace of God? What good will it have been to to have been married for a plethora of years and to, to, to enjoy some of the fineries of life and yet fail to receive the grace of God? And by the way, the grace of God is amazing, isn't it? Watch out, verse 15, Hebrews chapter 12, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you corrupting many make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau who traded his birthright as the firstborn son for a single meal verse 17 and you know that after he did that when he wanted his father's blessing he was rejected and it was too late for repentance even though he begged with bitter tears there are few passages of scripture that are as direct and as practical as this text it covers the great duty the great dangers that both believer and non-believer must deal with and grapple with The great duty of believers in this particular text is given to us in verses 14 through 15, 16, and 17 when the writer to the believing Hebrews penned those words under the unction and direction and leadership of the Holy Spirit, work at living in peace with everyone. And work at living a holy life. To work at living in peace with everyone and to work at living a holy life suggests that it is incumbent upon all of us that we chase after, that we press after, and that we diligently go after with all of our might the the peace that comes from God to be gatekeepers, if you will, to be harbingers, to to be men and women who represent the, the peace that comes from above. The peace of God, which frees all of us from antagonism and from hostility. You and I have a responsibility, brothers and sisters, particularly believing brothers and sisters, to work at living in peace and living a holy life And that has in it uh, an urgency, if you will, that that you and I must hotly pursue these two attributes of righteousness and right living, peace and holiness. We live in a world that is full of corruption and evil people, don't we? We live in a world, we live in community uh, in, in, in places and spaces. We have to go to work. We, we, we have to go to the places of education and academic learning that, that is full of corruption, full of evil people. We, we are surrounded by evil things all of the time, aren't we? We live in a world that could care less about peace. We live in a world that that really has doesn't give uh, two cahoots about holiness and the things of God we, we live in a world that has one agenda in mind and that is to get whatever it is that that is wanted that is needed uh, that, that that we lust after and crave for by any means necessary there are troublemakers there are complainers aren't there there are criticizers aren't there not only in our world, but these are they who are even within our churches. There are complainers in the church. There are criticizers in the church. There are troublemakers in the church. Yes, there are deacons in the church. Yes, there are boards in the church. Yes, there are ushers in the church. Yes, there are choir members in the church. Yes, there are, there are ministry leaders in the church, but also in pulpit and in pew are troublemakers, <laughs> complainers, criticizers, and bitter people which one are you? And so that's why verse 14 says, a charge is given to to responsibility is laid upon believers to follow peace with all men, no matter who they are, follow peace. With Republicans, follow peace with Democrats, follow peace with those who share your same ethnic makeup or background, but follow peace and holiness with those who may not share your ethnic makeup. Follow peace with the rich, follow peace with the poor because when the scripture says follow peace with everyone everyone is everyone and we have to be careful because as the church of god for years our stand was we, we we fellowship every blood washed one. We, we 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 don't get into denominationalism, and we don't get into separating and segregating. Uh, we we don't get into politics. We 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 simply live by the standard of the Word of God, no more, no less. Doing our best, endeavoring by all means, hotly pursuing, hotly chasing peace with everyone. Because without it. Don't care how well you sing, don't care how holy you may dress, don't care how dignified or refined you may be, how big your Bible is, how many spiritual bumper stickers you have on your car without following peace with everyone and striving to live a life of holiness, none of us will make it in. Work at peace, work at living in peace with everyone, and work at living a holy life. Verse four verse fifteen says that we ought to, as men and women of faith, we ought to look after each other. To look after each other means to take care of one another, to be responsible for the spiritual well-being of, of each other. It doesn't mean be nosy, it doesn't mean be rude, it doesn't mean insult, it doesn't mean slight each other, but but it means being led of the Holy Spirit. You and I have a responsibility to see to it that we are taking care of one another, that that we are being led of the Spirit to see to it, to ensure that, that, that we are being encouraged and staying inspired to keep on serving the Lord. It's not our responsibility to tear each other down It's not our responsibility to tear each other up it's not our responsibility to tear each other apart by criticizing by critiquing by complaining by troublemaking but it is the responsibility of the body of Jesus the church of God to see to it that we look after one another that that we we follow one another with our spiritual eyes looking for the presence of the grace of God to be active and activated in our lives and in doing so We can help one another hear the Lord one day say, well done. Here's the challenge that we face today. Just about anything, if we allow it, can cause us to become bitter. Illnesses can cause us to become bitter. Divorce can cause us to become bitter. Disappointments can cause us to become bitter. Jealousy, parents, supervisors, employees, snide comments, failures, abuses, addictions, accidents, grudges, anger, sadness, Lord knows, taxes. when when I when I when I when I pay more taxes than billionaires I I am tempted to become bitter feeling underappreciated can cause us to become bitter and in the flesh some of us might make the point that even God has let us down because a loved one has died or a parent or a relative may have abused us. And if we're not careful, many of us will blame God for our bitterness. Many of us, if we're not careful, we will blame God because the reason why I cause trouble in the church, the reason why I complain all the time at home, the reason why I'm angry and resentful and and mean and mean-spirited, many of us, if we're not careful, we will blame God for that. There's something my brothers and sisters that I want you to remember And when you're going through a bitter trial and all of us will go through them, can I get a witness this morning that, that you've had to, is there anybody today who would be willing to witness and say, I've had to go through some bitter times, bitter trials, bitter tests, bitter challenges in my life. I, I've had to deal with illnesses and, and some other things in my life, perhaps addiction, things that, 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 that have caused me to flirt and have a, a dalliance or a dance poisonous root of bitterness remember my brothers and sisters that you are in the hand of God boy that's a good place to say amen and somewhere through that trial God is going to make you a survivor I know it's bitter. I know you've, you're going through a bitter time. Some of us are wrestling with some bitter emotions, some, some anger, some resentment, some anxiety. But, but friend of God, remember that you are a friend of God in the hand of God. And he has the power to make you better instead of keeping you bitter. Remember, for those of you who are Bible students, you remember the life of Joseph could have very easily have lived and lurked and, and, and stayed in the land of bitterness because of what happened to him. When your own family sells you out, When people forget to get you out of prison i mean it can cause you to live and to lean into a lifestyle and an attitude where you constantly complain where you constantly cause trouble where you're constantly filled with anxiety and resentment and bitterness but joseph refused to allow the challenges the setbacks the 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 broken promises to cause him to become bitter Bitterness is something that everyone will have to deal with one time or another in life. Every church will have to deal with bitterness. But over and over again in the Bible, it's, it, it, there are reminders all throughout like markers, like road markers and on a road map to remind us that there is a God who is greater than our bitter situations who can make us better by the power of the Spirit. Bitterness is like a malignancy that can spread quickly through your life and into the lives of others around you. One thing about bitterness, bitterness is no respecter of persons. It's no respecter of age. Some of the most meanest church folk I know are senior citizens. I'll just look up here. Close my eyes. Oh yes, bitterness does not care how long you've been saved. once it gets its roots into the soil of your heart the longer you allow it to stay there the harder it gets for it to be plucked out of your life because the roots of bitterness there's there's this amazing thing about them they they have the power to grow deeper and deeper and stronger and deeper and deeper and stronger and in fact the older you get the harder it is to allow the Lord to pluck up bitterness. Bitterness can disfigure and disjoint our personalities. Bitterness can disfigure and disjoint our church. Bitterness can destroy almost all of our relationships. Think about Freud who, who I began our, our time together uh, discussing. He, he allowed bitterness to destroy all of his relationships. And that is what Satan would, would desire to do with you personally, to do with you and I corporately. He would love to to, to take root in the soil of our soul as a church to take root in the soil of our marriages, to take root in the soil of our relationships with our parents or with our children and destroy everything within the vicinity. Bitterness destroys our ability to grow socially. Bitterness destroys our ability to grow mentally. Bitterness will destroy, most importantly, our ability to grow spiritually. Bitterness knows no limit. It can consume the young and the old alike, the saved and the unsaved. One pastor once said about bitterness, I like this, he said, it consumes the high and mighty as well as the lowly and the slowly. No matter how educated you are, once bitterness takes root in the soil of your soul, no matter how pretty you are, no matter how handsome you are, no matter how many muscles you have, once once bitterness takes its root in the soil of your soul, it can destroy. Bitterness doesn't have to be on front and center stage in our lives. But often bitterness, like, like the roots here, it grows underneath the surface. Can I ask you a question this morning? What's, what's happening under the surface of your heart this morning? What's happening where no one can see? Or we come in and we sing and we come in and we play and we come in and we administer. We come in and we shake holy hands. We come in with all of the right language and verbiage. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Good to see you, brother. But what's happening underneath? Couples, you can't fight like cats and dogs and then come in and sing, well, I guess you could. Oh, church of God. We, we, we can't beat each other up in the boardroom and then, and then come into the sanctuary and expect God to work miracles in our lives, lifting holy hands when we have unholy hearts. We, we, we can't go to What's my favorite restaurant now? We can't go to Watts and have the chops. (laughs) And before we get to Watts, we've carved up the pastor and we've cooked his wife and children till they're well done. and we've eaten them. We can all look back over our shoulders and remember a time when bitterness assaulted our lives and set us back. What's interesting about bitterness brothers and sisters is that it can rob the joy of living out of our souls. Because of bitterness, many married people and Christian people, they don't, they don't enjoy their marriages, they, they don't enjoy their singleness, they, they don't enjoy their husbands, they don't enjoy their wives, they're, they're, they're just enduring their wives. When we come to church, are, are, are we coming because we're, we're free in our hearts, our hearts and our minds are, are clear, we, we have no bitterness, we have no rancor, we have no angst, we have no anger with one another, or are we coming and just enduring church? It's not easy. In many cases, perhaps it's not even ever possible to simply altogether forget the life experiences and post-traumatic stress triggers that many of us have had to encounter. I'm not naive. The writer to the Hebrew believers was not naive. But if we have been instructed To live in peace with everyone and to look after each other so that none of us fails to receive the grace of God. If we have been asked in the scriptures to watch out so that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble us. Then that means we must have the power by the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to overcome it. I want to encourage you this morning you can overcome abuse. I want to encourage you this morning. You can overcome and get past addiction. I, I want to encourage you this morning. You can overcome a mean-spirited husband or or a mean-spirited, verbally abusive wife. I, I'm, a, I don't, I don't, I'm not suggesting that you have to stay there and live in it and dwell in it and dwell on it, but but you can, by the help of the Holy Spirit, get through it. And listen, we as a church can handle all of the challenges that may come our way if. We don't allow the poisonous root of bitterness into our collective hearts as a church family. Work at peace, and it is work, isn't it? Work at peace, work at living in peace with everyone, work at living a holy life. Look after each other and watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up. Some translations read spring up. How many of you have ever seen some of these suckers spring up in your lawns? (laughs) Now, Brother David, he gave me a trick. Where's Brother David at? He gave me a trick on how to handle these things last time we had dinner together but the reality is guess what if I don't tend to it if I don't watch out for it it'll what spring up there you are you remember what you told me takes work takes work church but it can be done I don't want to be found guilty this morning as I get ready to take my seat of suggesting that you can forget all of the things in life that have caused you to be bitter. You know, we, how many of us have used the term or we've heard the expression forgive and the reality is we can forgive, but often we don't forget but God can give us the grace we need individually. God can give us the grace we need as we parent. God can give us the grace we need as we govern. God can give our nation what it needs. God can give us as a congregation the grace that we are going to need in the weeks and the months ahead. God can give us the grace we need to forget anything or anyone, and to forgive anything or anyone that that may have tormented us, or may have frustrated us, or may have caused us to become bitter. And the church should say, amen. I'm interested to see how Brother Kevin McCarthy handles a bitter moment in his life see bitterness doesn't care about your politics does it parties are having to deal with bitterness and infighting just like churches are having to deal with bitterness and infighting like many marriages having to deal with bitterness and infighting families, companies. You don't overcome bitterness, however, my brothers and sisters, by getting a doctor's prescription and becoming almost like a zombie all day long. You can't get over bitterness, don't be deceived, by going to the bar and ordering a a drink. I won't name a drink because you'll think I drink But whatever it is, you 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 can't be dis- you can't you can't get through bitterness, young people, by 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 wiling out, by using Molly and Percocet and and Oxycontin and Oxycodone. And you, you 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 can't you can't discourage, you can't dissuade, you can't you can't pull up that root of bitterness that might be seeding inside the the uh, your your heart's bed. By overeating, see, I knew it would get quiet there. The church, <laughs> so remind me of that when I'm at Watts. Because <laughs> You know, in the church, we don't go to the nightclubs. We don't, we may not drink, we may not gamble, but boy, we sure love to, we love to eat our food, don't we? and many of us overeat why because we are bitter and the enemy says you can't get back at them physically you can't get back at them verbally so hurt and harm yourself boy that's how the devil deceives us doesn't he because that's all bitterness does It's like a cancer it eats at you and whoever you're angry with and bitter with They go on and just live their life and here you are killing yourself spiritually, killing yourself physically because you're holding in all of this anger and angst and anxiety and bitterness. I was reading somewhere that there are some rattlesnakes that can get so angry that they begin to bite themselves. And isn't that what bitterness does? We can get so angry at our brothers and sisters in the church that we end up biting and harming and hurting and killing our own selves. We can get so angry with our spouses that we, we, we have a stroke and stroke out and they go on. <laughs> we, we can get so angry with our employees that, that we fire all of them and guess what? Then we lose our company. Church, we can turn on each other or we can turn with each other to the Lord to help us. But if we allow bitterness to take root, we we will end up not turning to the Lord in prayer, but we'll turn on each other. And that is what the enemy wants us to do. you've heard some people say this they are, have i'm going to i'm going to take this bitterness with me to the grave i want to remind you this morning there is no magic death no magic in death that can change a man's character Anyone who takes bitterness into his death will take bitterness with him throughout all eternity. In fact, that's what hell is. It's full of bitter people, bitter souls, weeping and gnashing and crying out day in and day out for eternity, bitter and angry and mad, and and they wound up in hell because of the root of bitterness taking root in their heart come on if if one brother said the last time I was here every 13 minutes I think or every nine minutes or five minutes 13 people or 11 people die in Ohio if your time were to come what's in your heart is the root of bitterness so ingrained so intertwined in your heart are you so angry at the deacon are you so angry at the pastor? Are you so angry and frustrated with the choir member? Are you so angry uh, at someone from another political party or race? Or are you so angry and so mad at your neighbor? Are you so angry and so mad at what's happening uh, in in the local, national and international political scene that, that, that you cannot be helped, that the root of that bitterness is so strong and so deep if you were to go today? Will the bitterness that you're holding on to be worth risking eternity? Do you think in heaven folks are upset because they didn't get to sing the lead part in the song the choir sang back in 1994 on the fourth Sunday? Do you think we're really gonna be in heaven upset and mad that we weren't elected to this post or that post? Or do you think in heaven people are really going to be concerned and overly concerned about I still might be a little bitter about taxes. <laughs> so sister said, mm. <laughs> Lord, help me. Help me to get over that. <laughs> but what's underneath the surface this morning? you you can cut this down you can water this you can but but what's underneath early 20th century, hundreds of people boarded a ship. The ship they boarded was touted as an unsinkable ship. And yet, there was something lurking. Underneath the waters. I don't know the percentage. But the vast majority. Of the men and women. Who boarded that ship. As it made its maiden voyage. Never returned. From the shores. They departed from. Because an iceberg. something minuscule in, in, in comparison, in contrast to the size of the, the Titanic, an iceberg sunk that ship. And my brothers and my sisters, I want to encourage all of us to come to the come to the Lord this morning with honest hearts, saying, Lord, I need you because there's something lurking in my heart that threatens to sink my spiritual ship. It threatens to derail my life. I have some contention with some saints in the church that if, Lord, you don't help me with this, like the Titanic, this thing is, it starts small, but it's, it's taking root in my heart. And only you, Lord, can help me with the anger. Only you, God, can help me with the resentment. Only you can help me with the prejudice. Only you can help me with the, the classism. Only you can help me with the ageism. Only only you can help me with the sexism and the chauvinism. Only you, Lord, are going to be able to pluck up the root and destroy the root and, and kill the root of bitterness that is in my heart for whatever reason. Search yourself this morning. Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. Look within. Am I bitter? Do I want to be better? Jesus had every right to be bitter. But because he loved you and I, he gave his life. So that you and I can be free from bitterness and bondage. Who was here this morning? Who wants to say, you know what? I've been holding some stuff against saints. I've been holding stuff. I've been holding on. I've been harboring. I, I've, been, I've been trying to silently sabotage my neighbors. I haven't promoted somebody. If you're an employer, perhaps you haven't haven't, haven't uh, given someone a raise who needs a raise, who deserves a raise because you still have some stuff in your heart against them. Some bitterness. Some husbands and wives who might want to come today and say, you know what, I, I haven't been enjoying my marriage, I've been enduring it. because I'm still mad that she didn't make me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. (laughs) True story. I'm still upset because he didn't do this. Perhaps there's some young people who want to come to an altar and say, I'm bitter. I, I am angry at my parents because they want me to live and I want to enjoy things that the enemy has set up to sink my life ship. Perhaps there are some parents who are still bitter because of the way you were parented as a child and you're still holding on and that bitterness destroying you. Then perhaps we all may come as an entire church and say, Lord, help us as a church not to allow bitterness to destroy us. All the enemy wants to do is just get the root of bitterness in our heart as a church. That's all he needs. And then it'll spread like a wildfire. Bitterness doesn't care how many scriptures you know. Bitterness doesn't care how long you've been in the church of God. Bitterness doesn't care about any of that. Who is here this morning saying, you know what? I'm holding some stuff. And I need to let it go. It's killing me. It's only hurting me. It's only harming me.